Welcome to the Next Level Soul podcast, where we ask the big questions about life. Why are we here? Is this all there is? What is my soul's mission? We attempt to answer those questions and more by bringing you raw and inspiring conversations with some of the most fascinating and thought-provoking guests on the planet today. I am your host, Alex Ferrari. I've always wanted to help the audience take their soul to the next level, so I've partnered with Mind Valley and other amazing free courses on spirituality, mind, body, soul, longevity, wealth, and so much more. All you need to do is go to nextlevelsoul.com forward slash free. Disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the guest and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of the show, its host, or any of the companies they represent. Well, today, guys, we have one of the show's favorite channels, Paul Selig and his guides. Now, Paul and I have a wonderful conversation with the guides about the great shift that is happening and where humanity is evolving to. This is one for the books, guys, so get ready to be blown away. Let's dive in. I'd like to welcome back to the show, returning champion, Paul Selig. <laughs> How you doing, Paul? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Thank you again for coming back on the show, my friend. We got a we got a chance to finally meet in person uh, a few about a month ago or so, and uh, it was so pleasant talking to you and seeing you channel live, and uh, it's just a really great experience. So I appreciate uh, the time we were able to spend together, my friend. I did. Thank you. So today I wanted to kind of get into this, you know, we keep hearing about this great shift, the the great shift that's coming, the new world that's coming, uh, the evolution of humanity. Um, what is this great spiritual shift humanity is heading towards? You know, I don't hear about it in ways that are dramatic. That's not how I've understood this. I think it's accrued. I think it's happening. I think the consciousness of humanity is shifting at a, at a, at a large level. And we're having now to contend with this whole idea of separation that I understand we've claimed as a way of learning and that it's not working anymore. So when my guides speak about a shift, they speak about as something that happens over generations. You know, I've heard four generations, um, you know, for humanity to begin to realize itself beyond the old structures that it's utilized to learn through. So I tend to be cautious around big um, exclamations of drama, because I think people get attached to that stuff. I mean, I remember 2012, and I was doing a workshop in uh, San Francisco in 2000. So how can you do a workshop that day? The world's knocking. I said, as far as I'm concerned, we're still going to be here and I'm going to work. But I understand, really, I don't have my own opinions on a lot of this stuff. I'm a channel and I take dictation. And when they speak through me, I get it. And for the most part, I have to say, well, that makes perfect sense and I can understand it, but I'm not one to ring a certain bell. You know, I think we're all getting different information about these times and much of it seems to overlap. But I understand that we're sort of in the last hurrah of separation, which is the belief that we're separate from our source and consequently from everybody else. The guide said back in the very first book, which was dictated in 2009, I think, um, they said humanity is at a time of reckoning and a reckoning is a facing of oneself and all of our creations. So everything that we've created in fear or aligned to through the action of fear is gonna be need to be sort of reseen and re-known in a higher way. The guides I work with teach this thing called the upper room. It's a level of consciousness and vibration that they teach us to align to. And, you know, they bring their students up there. It's the work of the books. And from that perspective, you actually lift what you encounter. You bring what you encounter to it through co-resonance. And this is what the guides say makes the world anew. And I'm sure there are different ways of of claiming this in different systems and different languages. But the idea is really the same. When you're aligning to a level where you're not reenacting the old, um, the new can be born and can be seen. And that's what I get. 
So is there a big shift happening? I believe there is. And I believe that part of what we're dealing with now is, you know, the exhumation of the messes that we've sought to hide from and bury collectively. You know, the guide said, it's like, you know, if your back, backyard is an excavation site, things that were buried five years ago and 5,000 years ago may come up, but it's not going to look so pretty for a while. So is that what is happening into our society today? Because it just seems like, and that could be said at almost any time in history, but it seems like even from my perspective of being on earth for as many years as I've been, things seem different. Things that were spoken about quietly behind closed doors are now being yelled upon and shine a light on like racism and things yeah, like exactly. that, that it just popped up in a way that you're like, what? Yeah. We, I don't think we have the benefit of, of reenacting the old in the ways that we have wanted to. And I think it's highly inconvenient and quite necessary, you know, at a cultural level and at a world level that we look at the stuff that we've been party to. You know, there are people that say you manifest everything. And, you know, I and what my guide say is, well, your entire life is what you are in accord with and vibrational accord and what you put in darkness and what you hide in darkness um, calls you to that darkness. And that's the level of alignment that you then hold, you know, so you really don't get to lift beyond the old without seeing how you participate. We all participate in these things. And, you know, when somebody says, well, I didn't make this so, but it's part of our collective reality. And so consequently, we're all accountable to it and how we relate to it and how we change with the changes. So I think this is productive. I also think that this is happening at the level of the individual. We're having to face our own crap and of the collective. And the more resistance we have to dealing with this stuff, the harder the experience can be. You know, the guides have said you build bombs in the, in, 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 on the pretext that it's going to keep you safe. And that's ridiculous. You know, eventually they go off. That's what they're built for. And so we now have this capacity to destroy ourselves and everything. And I understand that we're going to make it. That's what my guides have said. Humanity has made a choice to move beyond this. But we don't get to move beyond this without seeing how we've been treating everybody and ourselves. When you say that humanity has made a choice, can you dig into that a little bit? Well, I, yeah, I mean, as best I can, they say the collective soul of humanity, humanity as, as an entity has decided that we're going to change. You know, it's an evolution of the species as far as I understand it and an evolution of consciousness because the evolution of consciousness needs to be party to this. You can't get the new when you're continuing to dine out on the old. And so you've got to kind of clean out the fridge, you know? This concept of humanity soul is a new one I haven't heard of before. I've heard of the earth soul. I've heard of planetary kind of souls, like, you know, each the universe, yeah. things like that. I mean, it I, makes sense, though. It does make sense. I mean, I don't know if I, you know, what the guys have said is, you know, a town has a karma, a country has a karma. You know, humanity itself is participatory to all of its creations. We're so used to thinking of ourselves in tribal ways that we forget that we're all of one source, which is the key to this. So if you go to the one source and humanity is of the one source, I think that's what they're saying. But we've all kind of decided, you know, it's like the town decides it's time to build a new school where there's no asbestos in the ceiling. So everybody gets on board and it's expensive and it's a mess. And what do you do with the kids while the building's being built? But I think it's a little bit like that. You know, we have to do this, I think, or we're going to continue to replicate what we've had. And what we've had doesn't seem to be working. And I think we're seeing how much of it has not worked for a long time. And this is, you know, at the level of, 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 Cultures, governments, separation, racism, all of these things, you know, this need to be separate and this defiant need to be right at the cost of somebody else always being wrong. Well, let me ask you, has the have the guides ever spoken about this happening ever in the history of humanity? Meaning this sounds cyclical, that it kind of, we, we kind of build and destroy, build and destroy, build, and we've done that throughout history as a, as a species. Have they spoken about that? Not a lot. I mean, they've referenced Atlantis 
as mm-hmm. as a collective change that we all underwent. And um, but I don't get a lot of detail on that stuff. And I also just don't generally go there when they bring it up. They bring it up. Right. Um, we'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. I can ask, of course, and they're saying, of course, it's happening before. It's happened before. It may happen again as, as you require it. This is in some ways, I think, up to us. They're saying you're in transition now from who you thought you were to who you can become. You can become who you can become. As in fact, as in fact, you've always been who you've always been outside of, outside of the belief in separation. You seek to deny that, but you seek to deny that because you want a sense of control, because you want a sense of control. You want your party to be right. You want your party to be right. Your church to be correct. Your church to be correct. Your neighbor says, was your neighborhood to stay as it was. Everything is in change. Everything is in change for that thing must grow because everything must grow. Stasis is being moved. Stasis is being moved, not only, not all, not only in comfortable way, uncomfortable ways, but manifest, but manifest in the ways it must be, in the ways it must be to call your attention to what's needed, to call your attention to what's needed. But, but humanity has never reached this level in the past? That I don't know. You know, that I really don't know. I mean, the guides have said that their teachings are older than what we think of as time. You know, it's not new stuff. Um, but do they get into this? Other people do. I mean, they've never mentioned Lemuria once and, you know, Atlantis maybe a couple of times when they talk about great transition and great change. Lemuria, I've never heard of that one. What is Lemuria? Another continent, you know. Okay. That, you know, supposedly, some people say, because I, I live on, on Maui now, that that's what it was once, but I don't know that. It's not my stuff. I'm a terrible new ager, I've got to tell you. <laughs> you are, sir. I really am. I just, I've never gone there, you know? And so it's, I, so I, and what I'm cautious of is parroting things that right. become collective ideas that we should attach to, you know, mm. and make real. And I'm sure there's tremendous reality to much of this stuff, but until I'm given it or have my own experience of it, um, I am along with their ride. You know, somebody recently posted somewhere on social media this whole thing about co-resonance and sound, which is exactly what my guides have been talking about for years, but this was a physicist. And I went, well, that's, that's a relief to know that my guides are talking about something that <laughs> is provable at this level, because what I do when I'm channeling is I'm taking dictation, and it's their dictation. You know, they are talking now more and more in the last book, which was called Resurrection and what I believe they're planning for next. Um, and I don't know if it's the title, but they've said it's going to be about a world made new. You know, that's mm. where they're going is really about collective transformation through vibrational accord. You know, how you be at that level of tone, at that level of vibration. Um, informs what you encounter. You're not trying to fix everything anymore in the old way. You're realizing what was always there, which was denied. I mean, the guides say you really can't make anything holy, but you can deny the divine in anything. And what they've often said is that humanity's only real challenge is what they call the denial of the divine. And everything that we think about that I think is causing us great problem is an affect of that, you know, how we treat each other, how we treat the planet, how all that stuff, you know, because you don't do that when you don't, you don't harm what you know to be of source. And what they're really bringing us to is a level of recognition of source as form, God as form, God come as the sun and the moon and the body and everything, because everything must be of that source. They say that we've denied the divine in form in the body for so long, God must be somewhere else than, you know, within our hearts or whatever, wherever you want to put it, and within the, the skin, the bone, that, you know, we've denied it in the physical reality that we inhabit. So, you know, if you're not of source, how can the ocean be? How can the sky be? You understand? Right. So it's, again, a simple teaching of co-resonance. Um, and before we continue, because we, uh, we didn't mention this to everyone, can you explain what your channeling process is for people who have not seen you before? Oh, yeah, there we do. 
So I whisper and repeat. So when I'm hearing, I'm, I'm whispering the words, that's the transmission. And then I repeat it in a louder voice for people to hear. But I'm really on a roll. I don't always whisper it because I'm just so in the flow. But then I don't remember anything that I said. And that's kind of scary for me still. But this is the way that it's been. You know, I didn't try to be a channel. I wasn't looking to be a channel. I didn't even necessarily believe in it. And when I first started hearing, I was doing a little group in my apartment. I was opening up as a clear audience and hearing for other people psychically, which was surprising. I didn't believe that until they started to prove it out. But when I started hearing in my apartment, it was initially like somebody had their lips pressed against my forehead and the vibration of the words was coming in and then I was forming them simultaneously with my mouth. It was a very physical process for me. And it's remained physical. I don't, I don't feel that anymore. And it may have been a, a habit that I got into, but it's, it's accurate. It's an accurate way of working. It's occasionally I'll stumble over a word or mishear a word, but you know, more often than not, I'm, I'm with it, but that's how I work. Yeah. I just wanted to make sure people were like, why is this guy whispering to himself? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know. Fair, fair enough. So what it is. Exactly. Exactly. No, you, you, by far, you the most interesting channel, the way you channel you, there's nobody else that I know of who channels the way you do. Everyone has, every channel has their own path of how they channel. Yours is extremely uh, interesting to say the least and challenging. It's a challenging, if you were going to try to quote unquote, you know, fake it, man, you could have chosen a much better, easier way. Than the first time there was a video of me up on the internet, somebody said, oh, the first one that I heard about, somebody <laughs> said, you should look at this guy. He's working too hard to be faking it. I went, well, that's true. You know, and it's certainly not a very elegant way to channel, you know, I mean, people get used to it. And, but you, you have to understand, you know, I've, I've literally dictated now 10 books Oh. like that that don't require any editing with my eyes closed and I think the last I don't know eight of them were all done in front of live audiences and so if you can imagine somebody sitting beside you and get whispering the text and you're repeating what you hear it's probably closer to that than other things but I I think of myself and what I do I thought, I'm a radio that's what I do you know, and the tune, the, the station that I'm tuned to when I'm channeling is the broadcast. If I was reading you, I'd tune into you and I'd hear from you or your isn't, it, isn't that fun? Isn't that fun? I love that way you said it. it's like someone's whispering in your ear. If someone actually whispered in your ear and you physically tried to, to repeat everything, it would just would work. It just it's cognitively, it's very difficult to try to do something like that. Well, how it is, because people sometimes think that, you know, clear, clear audience, which is what this is, or some, some people will call it telepathy. It's another way of accessing information. It's not a voice in the room for me. Other people can work that way. It's as if there is one thought that blocks out all other thoughts. That's really what it's like. And it's not my thought. It's rarely convenient to what I want to hear. But for whatever reasons, it, it, it makes great sense. You know, I mean, I don't even know the title. Well, that's not true. A couple of times I've known the title of the books before they've dictated them because they've said so, or the publisher has said, I'll ask them what you're going to call the next book. But, but I don't even know. I don't know anything. I don't know the subject. I don't know the title of the chapter. I don't know anything until I'm sitting in the chair. You're and just along for the ride. Yeah. I, I'm like, it's like I said, I climb into the back seat of the car and I turn the wheel over and I'm in the back seat sort of half listening. And if they say something that I think is incredibly insane or impossible, I've been known to interrupt. And then they explain it, which I'm grateful for. You mm -hmm. know, I, you know, I, I have, um, you know, I don't write these books. I'm not the author of these books. When you ask Paul questions about the work, the best that I can do is try to interpret what I've been told. Um, and I do that better than I used to do. I really mm -hmm. do. Um, but there's a vast difference and occasionally I'll give an explanation and I'll ask them if I got it right and they'll say, thank you, no. And then they'll redo it, you know, <laughs> it's happened, you know, in front of audiences and it's happened on, you know, shows like yours. So I've gotten used to it, but it's a funny relationship to have yeah. and I may never understand it, which is part of the reason I continue to do it. You know, it's a you curiosity. Yeah. You know, somebody said, when I went back in the old days, 
when I said, you know, how do I know that this is me? And this medium said, okay, so try to channel right now. And you can't. Mm-hmm. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. You can't. It's like when you're in the shower under the water, you know you're under the water. It's happening and the water stops. You know that too. That's much of how it is. It's completely experiential. And in my case, it's very physical. You know, my eyes often change color and go a very pale blue when I work and I have hazel eyes. And, you know, when I step into people, I often, you know, take on their visage. I start to resemble them. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a physical thing for me. And I, I'm relieved that it is because some of that stuff is just provable. I mean, if I've never seen somebody and somebody asks me to tune into them, you know, tune into my kid and I start, you know, rocking in the chair and clawing up. And then I find out that I'm reading somebody with cerebral palsy, you know, it can, it's, it's been filmed. I mean, it's, it's quite interesting. So, and it helps me to trust the guides when they step into me, you know, fully and, I'm working with them or they're working through me. It's a wonderful feeling, you know, and it's uh, palpable for me and usually for the audience as well, or people on a live stream and they come through with energy. So it's the information for me was always secondary to this. I I was in it for the energy because I wanted to feel it. It was so exciting to feel it. It was so real. And then I trusted the energy and the, and the language that followed. So this concept of stepping in, can you kind of, can you go through the process? I mean, would you, and please say no, do you, would you mind going into me as an example? I, I don't know. You tell me. Try. Just, you know, I, I had one cup of coffee today. It's early here, but let me see what I can, <laughs> what I can do. Stepping in is really, it was, I don't know what it is. It may, it may be a form of psychometry. I really don't know. You know, when somebody says, give me the person's watch and you can, Mm-hmm. you know, read the person through the watch or the vibration of the watch. I use the name so I don't have to see people or know them. And I, most of the time I don't, you know, I just finished a workshop here for, you know, a lot of people and people were asking about their kids and their parents and all those things. And I'll, I'll never see them, but they can generally verify that I've got their kid or their parent once I tune in. Mm-hmm. So it's as if I become you at a certain level. That's how it seems to happen. So I use the name as a coordinate and then I kind of, I call it stepping in. Um, I used to think that I was traveling to them, you know, through time and space. And, um, and a physicist actually told me, no, you're going in. It's like, there's just another, it's like dimensional realities and things like that, which I may never understand. But um, what I tune in, the first thing that I see is what it feels like to be that person. That's the first thing. And I may be accessing them at a level of personality or perhaps at a higher level. And, um, you know, and then if you ask about your spouse, I'm like the switchboard. So I'm plugged into you and then I can plug in to her and then I can often broker, you know, a conversation um, at that level and a higher level too, to support people who are having challenges. And I see this as somewhat different than the channeling. The guides may come in and comment on what I'm getting and talk about what the real lessons are, but they're really teachers and they have bigger fish to fry than whether or not the relationship lasts the way we want it to and things like that. But yeah, I can step into you if you want and see what it feels like. Yeah, I mean, that'd be awesome. Let me go there. Do you have a middle name and can I ask it? Uh, Yes, it's Joseph. Let me just tune into you and see if I get you. Well, you're like this, which is funny. (laughs) Reading back, this usually means resolved and resolute. But a little of this is you coming through saying, what am I going to get? What am I going to get? Am I going to get what I need? And then how do I get it? So you're on right now, which is interesting. And you're kind of watching everything to see what yours, what's for you to take. I don't think this is about this dynamic. I just think this is just where you're at right now. And it's actually useful. Because part of what's actually happening for you is that you're deciding that you don't have to work so hard. And that's going to be a little bit calamitous for you because you think you're supposed to. And again and again and again and again and again. And some of this is your lineage, I think. And I don't do family stuff, but this is the lineage of we get up early, we work hard. This is how it has to be done. And you remember that. So you've done that. 
you're not needing it. You're going to change your mind about a lot of this stuff I hear in a useful way. And oddly enough, it's because you're recognizing your own capacity for it, which is a little spooky for you. And I think you kind of know it's there, but you don't know. <laughs> I want to say this one. Um, you can say it, little, I'll edit it out. <laughs> yeah, so it's a little bit like somebody who's, who's on, who goes to the bathroom and they check to see what the bowel movement was. You know, what was that? What was that that just came out? It's a little like that. And then you, you know, flush it away. You don't, you know, it's like, but it's not, it's not crap. They're saying you're moving towards a recognition of what you can have and the choice to say that you're allowed is, I actually think is about breaking a lot of rules. And I think you're going to be there for a while until you really get this. So part of, I think what you're doing here through your own sharing of, of this kind of stuff is your, this is your own. You're, even though I think you're looking at it now as this thing that's sort of outside you that you're party to, I think you're also having your own process with it, which is going to be ongoing. So this is all good. So that's how you feel when I get you. Um, well, that's pretty accurate. Okay. <laughs> I mean, other than the uh, bowel movement situation. <laughs> this was a metaphor. It wasn't mine. I know. I, I know. I know. No, but seriously, it, it, it's it's all that. Everything you said is you're absolutely right. I, I mean, anyone, I, I actually get comments from people saying, uh, you're working too hard. We're worried about you. And I'm yeah. like, no, no, this is just what I do. I just, I just put out six episodes a week and, you know, and just keep grinding and stuff. Yeah. You're not going to have to work so hard. That's the funny thing. And I think you're still going to get what you want and you're not going to be lazy. Mm -hmm. But I think... This is like the guy, you know, where there was like the family bakery and you had to get up at four in the morning to bake the bread. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, yeah, an ethic. And, um, <laughs> you know, and I think you're learning that somebody else can get up at four in the morning and do the prep and you can show up for what you need to do. But that's, you know, that's what that's what it is. Anybody else well, you want me to get since you got me? No, I mean, no, I don't want to take advantage of you, Paul, but I appreciate, you know, I was just, I really wanted to use it as an yeah. example of what it's like for someone you step into. That's what that's like and the channeling you've seen, and that's different. It's got a different texture, a different sense of vocabulary. Mm -hmm. The difference is when I'm doing what I just did, I'm feeling you, I may be getting visual information to support what I'm feeling and language from you or an aspect of you, but there's still interpretations. When I first did that, then I have to, I, I know what that means as I've experienced it in other readings. And when I'm doing the guides, straight dictation, I'm in stenography mode. It's not about interpreting. If I try to interpret it, I'm going to get in the way. But then the guides popped in for a minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To sort of address what the essence of it was. Yes. That's yeah. It was yeah. It was really interesting. I just wanted to use that as an example for people because it's a it's fat. This whole all just like you. This is fascinating to me. Mm -hmm. This whole process, the channeling, the stepping in, the all of it. It just so fascinating. That's why I love doing the show so much. I get to talk to people like you all the time. Um, now, I wanted to ask you, in regards to this raising of vibration or the shift that we're going to go through, how do you think it's going to impact religion and spirituality as a whole throughout the planet? I don't know. I'm going to go to them and see if they want to take this on. We'd like to address this in a way you don't want. We would like to address this in a way that you don't want. Religion is useful. Religion is useful as a basis for growth, as a basis for growth, but it's a trap. But it is a trap for some, for some because they get stuck because they get stuck in expectations and expectations, rules and rules and mandates. Most religions, most religions have one key, have one key commonality. Commonality. There is source. There is source, and source can be known, and source can be known. The way forward is different in different ones. The way forward is different in different religions. If you ask how they'll be impacted, if you ask how they will be impacted, the idea of the religions themselves, the idea of the religions themselves will actually move to a higher level, will actually be moved to a higher level. So the basis of the religion, so the basis of the religion, the usefulness of the basis, the usefulness of the basis will still be present, will still be implicit, implicit and present for 
you and present for you, but the trappings may not be there as they were, but the trappings may not be there as they were, the dictates may not be there as were, the dictates may not be there as they were, your idea of rules or your idea of rules, the schemata, the schemata, the direction, the direction and the source of religion and the source of religion are all different things, are all different things, the implicit idea, the implicit idea that there is God, that there is God or what you might call God or what you might call God, how God is wrong, God is how God is known or recognized or recognized in the structure to support that. And the structures that have been built to support that are all very different, are all very different when things are lifted. When things are lifted, the basis may be moved, the basis may be moved, the foundation may be changed, the foundation may be changed, but the truth of religion, but the truth of the religion will still be present, will still be present, it may be known and loved, and may be known and loved, period, period. Fantastic answer. They, they, these guys are good. <laughs> they do good work, sir. Um, we'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. Now, will there be any new religions or new spiritual movements with this new raising of vibration? I hear there's not a need for one. There's yeah. a need for truth recognition of truth you can make a religion out of anything and mostly you will fail and then they're saying be it a meditation practice be it a diet be it a diet be waving be it a way of being with others anything you create anything that you create that you give power to that you give power to operates as a god operates as a god or a totem or a totem finally god goes without names finally god goes without names it just is it just is it's the source of all things it is the source of all things the one note sung the one note sung that is present in all things that is present in all things the tone or the absolute the tone or the absolute that we will call source that we will call source can be accessed can be accessed and known and known to realize yourself at this level to realize yourself at this level is to become part of creation is to become party to great change and the great change that is upon you and and the great change that is upon you is a renewing of self and the world is renewing of self and the world beyond the old bias of separation, beyond the old bias of separation, born into a field. You were born into a field where the belief in separation was, where the belief in separation was, was implicit. It's always been a lie. It has always been a lie, but you've erected structures, but you have erected structures, cities, cities, cultures, cultures that demand separation, that demand separation of borders or borders or separation or separation of identity of identity from one's neighbors from one's neighbors when you move to a other room when you move to what we call the upper room which is the higher strata or octave which is the higher strata or octave above the common field above the common field that you've known yourselves through that you've known yourselves through things are made new things are made new seen and new seen and new and once reclaimed and once reclaimed the world that you've seen the world that you've seen will be made new will be made new not as you may think or wish not as you may think or wish, but in truth, but in truth, in truth, a lie will not be held. In truth, a lie will not be told. Be, in truth, a lie will not be held or told, told. In truth, a lie will not be told. It cannot be so. It cannot be so. And the divine is presence. And the divine as presence or the truth of all things or the truth of all things will eradicate much of the pain, will eradicate much of the pain that you've aligned, that you have aligned to and all have and all have an expectation of pain, in expectation of pain, separation, separation, pain, fear, fear, et cetera, et cetera. This is really interesting that you say that you can almost make anything into a religion. You're And, and the guides are absolutely right because I'm a Star Wars fan and people have tried to make Jedi a religion and George Lucas is the first that's like, no, <laughs> please stop. It's in your diets and, and anything that you give power to. It's really interesting. I don't know. I mean, you know, it's it's basically idolatry is really what it is. Yeah. And that's that's all it is. And you know, and it's promoted, you know, we're told <laughs> what to give importance to and what, you know, to to empower. And, um, you know, I, I don't know what I think about this. I mean, the guide said in the very first book that they dictated, this is not a, this, they've said it's not a religious teaching and this is not a religion, you know, and, you know, they think they, they pretty much is maybe a little what they said. They said there's great beauty in all religions, but they've been distorted over time, you know, for different reasons. And they're just bringing us to a basis of truth. You know, the language that they use for the most part 
is is in the Judeo-Christian tradition, but they're reclaiming it. You know, I was raised an atheist, you know, and there's a Jesus on the wall back there, but there's a Hanuman on my desk out of frame and Buddha's over there. And, you know, mm-hmm. I'm much like your office. Everybody's sort of everybody's sort of here and invited to the party. You know? Yeah. So. True, is it, and and you and when you started this work, you were the first to say, I am not a guru. I'm not a guru. I'm not even a spiritual teacher. I don't want to be. I can interpret the teachings. I have experience to share. And I do share it. And when I first started channeling, I was so, you know, I was a college teacher. You know, I was an academic. I was used to sitting in front of a room full of people and talking. But when I started channeling, I would introduce myself and then I would disappear for the entire workshop. A whole weekend, five days, nobody would really hear from me until then. I, at the end, I would say thank you very much because <laughs> I didn't know that I had a right to be participatory. Right. And um, but I, I, you know, my own experience with this stuff has been interesting and is encouraging for other people. And I'm not somebody who went looking for this. Right. I did go looking for God, whatever that was, you know, to me when I hit a wall when I was 25 and started praying for the first time in my life because I didn't know what else to do. And then I started opening up and everything started opening up. And then my life really fell apart because, you know, I was suddenly living on one basis while I had this mess that I'd created in the other. And I got to learn through all this. And I'm very grateful now, but I have a, a life now that I'm very grateful for, but God knows it wasn't easy. It wasn't polite. It wasn't any of those things, you know? Yeah. And I, I don't know that it's always supposed to be easy. Growth isn't easy when they talk about what's happening here and individual growth and collective growth. I said, you know, when, when the seed is sprouting and it pierces the earth, the ground is moved to allow for the new growth. It's not polite. We want it all to be polite. And um, and right now, I think we're seeing that it's not. If you look around, it's not polite, but it is growth. And I think it can be seen and framed as opportunity. And then it's useful. What are the biggest challenges that humanity has with this great shift coming? Or that's all we're in the middle of? Um, at, the of at the beginning of, I hear, it's ongoing. You're seeing the template eroding, eroding of what reality is, of what reality was. The biggest challenge, the biggest challenge your technology is your attachment to what was because all things will be, because all things will be made new. Now this is triumphant. Now this is triumphant, cause for celebration, cause for celebration when a temple falls. But when a temple falls or a structure falls or a structure falls or a banking system falls or a banking system falls or a country falls or a country falls, it is not it is not pretty and it can be thunderous and it can be thunderous but these things pass but these things pass we are not speaking of desolation we are not speaking of desolation or destruction or destruction we're speaking of change we're speaking of change in the alignment you hold and the alignment you hold to a higher potential results to a higher potential for yourselves translates to the world translates to the world you become a beacon you become a beacon that will illumine that will illumine the pathway to others the pathway to others knowing and being knowing and being of who and what you truly are allows you to same in the world allows you to know the same in the world the biggest challenges your attachment was the biggest challenge is your attachment to what was or how you think it should be or how you think it should be you will learn through whatever comes you will learn through whatever comes at whatever level you align to it period in their same period so this is very similar to the example you gave of the asbestos school it was done for that for years and years and years till finally someone said hey I think we shouldn't be killing our teachers and our kids. Yeah. And it wasn't I, easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's it's a relocation. And at this level, it's a relocation of consciousness. So I'll explain this because the guides referenced it. You know, they say we're living in an octave. Our reality, our common reality is an octave of tone and sound and vibration. And they say any piece of music can be played in a higher octave. And the process that we're actually going, they call it... um. What's the word? Transposition. The music that we are is being transposed to a higher octave. And because of co-resonance, that the physical reality we know is what we are in entrainment with or what we're in vibrational accord with. When we lift to the higher, we begin to claim what expresses at that level. This is the symbol they use for co-resonance. It's the infinity symbol, just, you know. 
So that's what's kind of happening now. And they say there are octaves beyond the one, the one they call the, they call the upper room an octave. You know, they bring us, I think, to where we can enter, but there's more there, you know. At times they speak of what they call the kingdom and they say the kingdom is the awareness of the inherent divine in all manifestation. You know, the implicit divine, the God must always be there in spite of appearance, you know, and that's, I think, where they seek to take us. So when you say octave, you, that's just another word for vibration? or Octave, you look on a piano. So you can, you can play happy birthday to you in one key, or you can go up the scale and play it in the next octave. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. So, and there are octaves above and beyond what the ear can even hear. You know, the piano only goes so high, but there are higher notes. It doesn't stop. Like a dog whistle. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, when I did, I just finished this retreat in, uh, on Maui, and so a bunch of people, and they, there's a, one of the claims that they work with is, behold, I make all things new, you know, and... It's a claim of truth. And they say the monad or the divine self or the God within is what does that. Paul at the level of personality doesn't do anything. But you can feel the energy. And they had, you know, I don't know, like 80 people on either side of the room or something sending this to each other. And it was like the waves of energy were building and building and building. And then there was some guy, they took a walk, came back and some guy passed me where I was sitting and I could feel the energy field just off the charts hmm. and I realized that that's what they're doing with us and then you know I had a, he walked around the room everybody could feel it so the world they say shifts through presence and being or the level of tone that you hold at the higher level or in the upper room that through entrainment or vibrational accord lifts what it encounters you see what the guys say it's a real simple teaching what you damn and who you damn damns you back and that's vibrational accord. What you put in darkness calls you to the darkness. You can't be the light and hold another in darkness. It's hypocrisy, it doesn't work. But they also say what you bless blesses you in return. And we live in a world that says a blessing is, oh yeah, God bless them and forget about it. God bless them, that was terrible, forget about it. That's lip service. They say that to bless something is to realize the presence of the divine upon it which is the action of source upon it. And they also say what you bless blesses you in return. And you can do this, you can work with this, you can feel the energy of it when you do it. You'll literally, that's called the echo, you feel the energy come back to you in waves. It's kind of extraordinary. So it's kind of like when we've all had that experience with someone walks into a room, they either can bring the energy down or bring it right, like to the life of the party and everyone's happy, or someone can come down and suck everything out of the room. Absolutely right. You know, I've, I've had a few times, I've, I've read over over the years for a few, you know, rock stars who do mega sure. stadiums. Oh, yeah. And the first guy, the, one of these guys I met him, I mean, I, you know, I'm not a rocker. I stopped at a certain point, you know, so I, I mean, I wasn't all that impressed because I didn't know them, you know, I, I'd heard of them. <laughs> sweet guy and like everybody else they want to know about their families and their kids and you know it's normal stuff but i tuned into this guy at, at his work you know because he asked a question about work and i felt this guy get so enormous i was shocked it was like he was making love to an entire stadium i mean that yeah. was the energy. i went oh my god that's why he's doing this he could hold that level of energy he really, it's, it's more than lighting up a room. You can light up the whole world, but you got to know what that light is. And then you got to access, and then you got to express it. And that's being expressed as your true self. The guides say how we serve, how any of us serve is how we're most fully expressed as the true self or the divine self or who we truly are. So is it is that kind of like when you meet a, a master on a walking master or obviously an ascended master, but like a yogi or these kind of people that you hear these stories that like, people around them are intoxicated by their, by their energy and things like that. I think probably that's so, you know, yeah. and I think that there are people that operate at that level, but I also think that there are people that operate at that level that aren't announcing themselves. I think people right. that are really awakened aren't announcing themselves as awakened. Right. They're really going about their business. 
And I sometimes think sometimes, you know, like the most enlightened person in the neighborhood may be the school crossing guard, you know, <laughs> 50 years holding that sign up and making sure they're safe. But anytime anybody is doing anything with love, they're operating in a high way. There's no other way around it. So, yes, I think that is true. And, you know, when the guides step in, sometimes they'll just do the whole room with the energy and you feel it, you know, which is what I like about this work because it's palpable. I don't want, I really have no interest in people giving their authority to me. You know, mm -hmm. I'm as Paul, I'm just like, I really don't want that burden, you know, cause you'll always fail somebody, but the guides do what the guides do. And I'm happy to be party to that. And I do think that they know what they're doing. I really do at this point, because I can't imagine that they would waste their time doing all this work, you know, right. through, through and through me and for us and through whatever else they're doing. You know, yeah, I've heard a story of a yogi walking through the market one day and he just saw some guy sitting there selling like fruits and he's just stopped and sat down with him like, what are you doing here? <laughs> he's like, oh, I mean, and it was it was this enlightened being, yeah. but he was just selling, selling fruit on the side of the road. He's like. What, what do you like? He couldn't understand it at the moment, but he felt it. He felt that energy. It was a really interesting story. It's true. I think it's true. You know, when I was first opening up spiritually, I was destitute. I was early mm -hmm. sobriety. I had no money at all. It was a hard, hard time. And one of the first gigs I got was in the New York City public schools, setting up these little arts programs because I'd, you know, been to the school which allowed you to get jobs. And I remember going to this place in this bombed out neighborhood it was the South Bronx back in the, you know, 80s. And it was rough, rough. And I saw these teachers in these schools and they were amazing. And I and, you know, I'm sure they didn't know what a chakra was or could care less. But these people were present in a way that was profoundly humbling to me really humbling because that's the real stuff it's not about saying namaste all day long and, and we're in a crystal it's about how we show up for our lives how we treat people you know and i think how we trust i don't care what you believe in you know you can doesn't matter that's the proof finally of all of this and um i think you can get attached to spiritual materialism you can call it that for lack of a better word and it's it, and the good news is that fall that fail that falls away in time. It's just part of I think the process of growing. Right, is when you're saying I'm the most spiritual. Um. Or I'm supposed to be the most spiritual. I have to get right. there. If I don't get there first, there's not going to be enough for me. And all of this is forgetting source. You know? Right. If you're if you're trying to be enlightened, you can you will never reach it. It's when you just do your thing, and enlightenment becomes comes towards you. <laughs> Oh, I know. That sounds right to me. But once in a while, somebody <laughs> in a workshop will raise their hand and they'll say, I don't want to have to, I want this to be my last life. I'm not going to come oh, back. Oh, I hear that all the time. Lifetime. And then the guides always say, well, then you get to come back. <laughs> That's it. Then you get to come back. I get that constantly in the comments of, of, of all the shows like, oh, this, this is, I don't want to come back. This is, a, I don't want to, this is my last life. Please, I don't want to come back. I don't want to come back. And I always say, well, you're probably going to come back if you feel it that way about it. I, I, I believe it. <laughs> now, can you or the guides discuss this idea of hell? And the and where that, because that's an older idea. Um, and that it's, is, uh, it's the absence of the divine that you create, that you create through separation, through separation. That's really all it is. That's really all it is. It's not where you go to and die. It's not where you go to when you die. You will learn different lessons. You will learn different lessons in different lifetimes, accrue different levels of karma, accrue different levels of karma, and consequently have different experiences, and consequently have different experiences when you align beyond the body, when you align beyond the body. But hell is a place. But hell is a place or an idea or an idea of separation, of separation. All separation is. And all separation is, is the dominant, is the denial of the inherent divine. You can be. You can be forgiven. Indeed, you are forgiven already. Indeed, you are forgiven already for everything, 
for everything, but you don't understand that, but you don't understand that the divine is redeemer, the divine as redeemer, the monad or the monad or the God within or the God within as redeemer as redeemer is really very simple, is really very simple. There's an aspect of all of you. There's an aspect of all of you that is without sin, that is without sin or separation or separation or fear. It knows itself in unity. It knows itself in unity with the source of all things, with the source of all things. When the monad is in activated mode, when the monad is in an activated in an activated mode, it reclaims all things it encounters. It reclaims all things that it encounters with the light that is truth, with the light that is true. That is how you are renown. That is how you are renown or redeemed or redeemed, and how you reclaim the world and how you reclaim the world it is the aspect of you. It is the aspect of you that knows who he is, that knows who he is in an express state in an express state that aligns all things to a new world, that aligns all things to a new world, period. Same period. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. Beautiful. Um, Paul, I have to ask you just on a personal level, do you ever just like ask the guides for yourself? Like, hey, you know, should I go do this? Yeah, I do, but I it's I'm not the best person to read for myself. Mm. You know, I mean, you can't step you, into yourself. No, because I'm I'm too trapped in here already. You know, when I first, you know, I always say, you know, the guides don't intervene. If I want to walk into traffic, I can. If I say, is this a good time to cross the street? They might say, not wise. But if I ask, sometimes they'll answer, but it's often, this is like maybe 25 years ago. I, you know, I've, I've always been a bit of a slob and I had, a, I was teaching at NYU and I had one iron shirt in the closet. Everything else was just, you know, whatever. And I heard, I was, I asked, what, what should I wear? I heard, wear the blue shirt. So I put the blue shirt on. That was the day I, I had to go meet with my boss unexpected. And I said, like, oh, thank God I didn't put the one on with the mustard stay down the front. So, but I, you know, the problem is, is if I have a desire, I'm already informing what I hear with my personality self. So I trade with people that I mean, I have a couple of people that we read for each other, you know, and if it's something that's too close, it's nice. And I also have found that people who, and I tend to, you know, I don't, I'm cautious around channeling. I think just because somebody doesn't have a body doesn't mean you should listen to them. You know what I mean? Just because mm-hmm. something's coming in spirit doesn't mean it's high level. So one of the ways I think that people get sort of stuck is when they, they're they hearing things that confirm what they want. You're the most special or that person's evil or all those things. Both of those would be high, you know, low level comments you know the the guides i work with don't override free will you know and they respect free will so have i gotten accurate information i get it in the moment and generally the accurate information is about not taking actions based in fear and once in a while they'll tell me when to keep my mouth shut you know like not a good time don't say it not a good time it only when i ask when you say low level, are you talking, can you kind of dive, dive into, I've never really discussed that before. Low level? Well, you know, this isn't my level of expertise. I don't talk to dead people. That's not my work. It happens once in a while. <clears throat> I can for the living. If people still have a body, I can hear them and feel them. And I've read for family members about people in comas and still been able to access information because I'm tuning into somebody who's still got a body. The guides are beyond this level mm-hmm. and they need me in a middle ground place, but it's not sort of astral stuff. I don't think I'm tuning into, you know, this is what I always say. My grandma, bless her heart, was married, I don't know, four or five times and she's dead and she's probably not who I want to go to on the other side for relationship advice, you know? She'd be right. probably happy to give it to me but you know, that's not what I'm needing. And um, so I tend to be cautious around certain things. And two of the things that I was taught to be a little bit wary of is flattery and fear. So if somebody's channeling about those evil people and that, you know, 
it generally, I don't think my guides could care less who killed Princess Di or if it happened. You know, it's National Enquirer stuff. They're not, that's not where they go. Somebody else may go there and get accurate information who's a psychic and is working at that level. When I work with the living, I'm working psychically. When I'm working as a channel, I'm working spiritually and I make the distinction. Uh, that makes perfect sense because generally everybody I bring onto the show always has profound, high-level messages. I've never yeah. had somebody coming and going like, you know, these other people are what you need to fear. Or, yeah. or you're right. You're absolutely right. Credit. You know, I mean, for me, I think I, I tend to draw a distinction between inspiration and channeling. And inspiration is great. You know, great art is general, in my opinion, inspired art channeling. And, but, you know, channeling, I feel is dictation, mm-hmm. you know, it's taking dictation. That's how I look at it. It's not about the channel. The channel is used in a useful way, but it's not about that. And, um, I've met people <clears throat> who say, well, I'm having my, my channel book edited. And I go, but it's not to edit. It doesn't make sense to me. But that's, I'm, I'm kind of a purist that way. You know, there may be three words in any book that are changed after they're transcribed. And it's usually because I mispronounce them. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, it's like this. If I were to say, um, I'm a night before Christmas and all through the house. Yeah, exactly. That's presupposing what's going to be next. And so the guides I work with sometimes say, it was the night before Christmas and all through the condominium, just so that you listen. You know what I mean? They'll <laughs> change the word up and then it keeps you on your toes, but it's easy to, to fall into that, to want to Got finish thought. And I, I have to be cautious not to. Now, what advice would you or the guides have for someone just beginning their spiritual journey? Rejoice. <laughs> really? And you're in for a hell of a ride. When I got to this, and this was early, I was, you know, 25 when I started opening up. And I had a bit of an experience early on that made it more real to me. But there was a very simple idea for me at the time, which was if there is a God or something like a God or spirit in the universe, then nothing is the way that I thought it was. Absolutely nothing is what I thought it was. And that was mind-blowing and exciting and strange. Um, And I also think it's really useful to stay grounded, you know. So I'm an old-time 12-stepper. That grounded me. It made it practical. There were things that I could do and things that I did not do. Um, And it was very hard. And I had to learn how to do everything differently than I had done it, everything. You know, I'd been a writer, I couldn't write after I really, I you know, I was like, what do I do now? So I, I, I found that trusting through the hard times and also having real healthy support was extraordinarily valuable. I could not have made it on this journey without people who were kind to me. And that included early on people who you know, let me live in their apartments because I didn't have a place to go to, you know, and a guy who was an energy healer who found out that I was opening up, who worked on me for basically next to free for a year or two as I was opening up. It was extraordinarily generous. But I really do believe that when you move on to this path, you're supported. I look back and I go, boy, was I taken care of and I didn't even know it. Mm-hmm. And I really should have been dead, you know, for a lot of different reasons. I should have been dead and I'm here and I'm grateful. Yeah. And when you said that, you know, when you, st- if everything that's coming in is true, then everything you believed is wrong. That is a sh- a complete earthquake of the foundation of your, of your yeah. life. And that's terrifying for people. Yeah, it was everybody, you know, I was 25. I had platinum blonde Billy Idol hair, leather jacket. I was a four pack Please. of Yes, please, you know. please, please send a picture, please, please. Well, <laughs> I was, I mean, I was a kid and, you know, but when I, when I got into this stuff, 
People thought I'd gone crazy. When I started seeing lights around people, it was like, well, maybe you have a detached retina, maybe you have a brain tumor, maybe you're detoxing, you know. <laughs> but it's the beginning of something else. And from given that I was raised with none of this and was taught to believe that it was for stupid people, I um I needed some kind of proof which was seeing or feeling. I needed that and I was given that. And the work that the guides do through me is usually very palpable for people can feel the energy. And once you start feeling energy, every, that's a game changer because then you know that there's more going on than you were taught, you can feel it. You know, it's why people, when they study forms of energy healing, opening up, oh, they open, sometimes they open up very rapidly, I did. Now, um, what is one of your favorite teachings of the guides? The action of fear is to claim more fear. Every choice you make in fear gets you more of the same. Look at the last choice you made because you were frightened and see where it got you, more of the same. I say fear isn't wise, but it will seek to replicate itself at its own level. And it's a low vibrational energy. So they say when you go to the upper room, you move beyond fear at that level because fear doesn't express that. You want your fear, you have to go back downstairs to get it. I like that one a lot and I find it really useful and I do work with that because I found it to be true. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. You know, so I try not to make choices based in fear. Prudence and fear are two different things. Prudence is the science says sharks in the water may be best not to get in the water that day, you know. That's not fear. That's just being cautious. It's not mm-hmm. a bad idea to have an umbrella when, you, when it's raining. You're not frightened of the rain. You just don't feel like getting wet. Fair enough. Fair enough. Now, I'm going to ask you a few questions. I ask all my guests. Now, this is for you or the guides to answer, whichever comes through. All right. What is your definition of living a fulfilled life? Well, there's, I'm hearing, I'm hearing, I suppose it's from me, but I'm hearing trusting God and everything happens as it needs to. And you're not in fear. Let me, let me answer that my way. What would a fulfilling life be for Paul? Not being afraid, which I suppose is the same thing as trusting God. You know? mm-hmm. What advice would you give to your younger self? Stick it out. Stick it out. Stick it out. It's stick it out. You know, my younger self, my 18-year-old self, have safe sex. <laughs> Don't drink until you pass out. <laughs> <laughs> Don't default on your student loans. <laughs> Gonna want the money. <laughs> lots and lots and lots of. Don't get that credit card with the twenty-seven percent interest. All those things, yeah, all those <laughs> things. My younger self, my younger self, I have much more compassion for than I ever oh. had. And um, and I was a piece of work, and I was a headache, and um, I was very very fortunate that people cared about me when I was not able to care for myself. I'll tell you, Paul. Isn't it a miracle that? that we're alive sometimes you look back at the stuff that we did in our youth and you just go how am i alive i know isn't it great <laughs> like, it's because you think you're immortal i'm trying to learn how to drive you know i failed the test twice i have a car now i can't park it yet i can drive it but i can't drive it legally i gotta pass this test eventually because i live in the rainforest otherwise i can't get any groceries Good. so but, you know, the reason I have a buddy who didn't get her license either. She's an all time New Yorker. And she said, you know, we, we know we're not immortal anymore in the way when you're 16, you think you're immortal, you know, and when I was doing all that crazy crap, I. Oh, yeah. And I know better. <laughs> that's small. Yeah, that's and if there are any young people listening to this conversation, take it from a couple of uh, of seasoned seasoned guys. Uh, you are not immortal. And and whatever you are doing now, you're going to feel it in about 15, 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> now, how do you define God? Source. Source. Simple as that. Yeah. And what is the ultimate purpose of life? I hear to know, love, and be. That's it. Great answer. And where can people find out more about you and the amazing work that you're doing in the world? My website's my name, paulselig.com. Um, there's, you know, information on live events and I do a lot of live streams and the books are there and lots of podcasts. So it's a place where it's sort of a, a one-stop 
for a while. And you don't do and you don't do personal stuff anymore, right? Personal. I do. Yeah, I do. It's it, it takes a while usually to get to get an appointment, but there's a, there's a link up there for personal readings as well. All right, great. And does and do the guides have any parting messages for the audience? Understand that you're not failing by not knowing what you're doing. The world that you lived in is changing, is changing. And what you think of is also changing, is also changing. When you think of potential, when you think of potential, there's a much higher potential available than there was. We welcome you to it. We welcome you to it. Let it be your choice. Let it be your choice. Ask to be known. Ask to be known. You know, and seek to know who and what you are, who and what you are beyond the old idea, beyond the old idea that you are separate from your source, that you are separate from your source, period. And they're saying, period. Paul, it is always a pleasure having you on the show, my friend. I love these conversations. I look forward to our next, uh, our next one, my friend. Thank you again for everything you and the guides are doing for the world. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Take care. Alex. <laughs> I want to thank Paul and the guides so much for coming on the show and sharing their knowledge with all of us. If you want to get links to anything we spoke about in this episode, including how to get access to a live channeled event with Paul Salig and the guides, head over to the show notes at nextlevelsoul.com forward slash 269. And if you've only been listening to this over podcast and you want to watch these amazing conversations, please subscribe to our YouTube channel at nextlevelsoul.com forward slash YouTube. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, trust the journey. It is here to teach you. I'll talk to you soon.